will be in First Peter chapter one. Verses 10 through 14. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who was in them, did signify when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he who hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of life. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Shall we pray? Let's bow together. Loving Father, we thank you that you have given us the revelation of Jesus Christ and the hope of things to come. We thank you, Father, that you have given us the gospel message of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that you have made it plain and simple that all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And Father, we just ask of you today that you will, by your Holy Spirit, minister in the hearts of all who are here, that we may hear the word of God and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at this passage this afternoon, I have simply stated it, stated by title that we are privileged, and we might add to know, we are privileged. As we recognize that the prophets of old gave us much revelation concerning Jesus, but yet they themselves did not know him as we know him. Certainly the Spirit of God was upon them, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ was with them. But we have received of the revelation of Jesus Christ much fuller and clearer than even the prophets in the Old Testament did. Though they were given much, which we go back to, and we look at, and we study, and we believe that those truths which they were given were given by the inspiration of the Word of God. They were truly the words of God to the prophets in the Old Testament. And so we'd like to consider how privileged we are 
in having the message of the gospel of Christ today, as we have the fuller revelation of Christ, not only of the New Testament, but of the Old Testament as well. Together we have a greater and fuller view of the gospel message and of Christ and of who he was, the Son of God, who came to bear the sins of the world. So first of all, Old Testament by the prophets did not fully reveal Jesus. That is not trying to diminish what is there. It's just saying it wasn't as full a complete revelation as what we have. But one thing we do know for sure, that whatever revelation God gives at any given time is sufficient for faith and practice. So even though the Old Testament prophet did not have the revelation that we have fully now received, yet they had all that they needed for faith and practice. That is, faith to believe in God, practice that they might know and experience Christ or God in the Old Testament through whatever means God had inspired for them to know. And of course, we have been given greater knowledge. Greater knowledge because Christ has come. In the fullness of time, he came into this world, born of a virgin. That he came into this world as the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, John says in John chapter 1, in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The only begotten of the Father, through grace and truth. And so this message of Christ is one which has been given more fully than even the Old Testament prophets received. Because Christ came in the flesh, formerly He may appear in the Old Testament in theophany, as he is sometimes, it is called, wherein there is an angel which appeared to be somehow directly from God, maybe even an appearance of God in angelic form. But we have been given the full revelation of Christ as he came in the New Testament. Secondly, we are to live a holy life for Jesus. Well, since we have been given this revelation, we now have the opportunity to live for Jesus. And so we find that the revelation of Jesus Christ has given us responsibility to live for Christ. That is, to live out the Christian life. Well, can we truly call Jesus our Savior and our Master or our Lord if we are not willing to follow Him? Can we call Him Lord and Master if we are not willing to accept the words given to us by Christ? And that we are to live and to walk in that faith which God desires us to live and walk in? You see, so we are to live a holy life, and we'll talk about that some more in a few moments. 
Thirdly, we have to follow the five exhortations of holy of a holy life. And those exhortations are, are given to us here in this passage. He says in verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he who is holy hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of life. And so you'll find the instruction in those verses as we continue with the message this afternoon. First of all, let's begin with verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Now Peter is writing to the dispersion or those who were scattered abroad, those who at that particular time in the first century in 65 AD or thereabouts being Jews and there were many Jewish Christians at that time. Remember the disciples themselves largely were Jewish, though they may have been among them other than Jewish disciples. And we find that Jesus is a Jew. And that Paul, who was well known, an apostle out of due time, was a prominent Jew. And that many of the disciples who served as apostles, being Jewish, Certainly Peter was Jewish. And so we recognize that this great dispersion of the Jewish people who were Christians throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia, all of those kind of provinces that were around Asia Minor, around that Mediterranean area where the disciples would, would be uh, scattered, the believers were scattered, and we find that they being scattered, Peter writes to them, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. He says the prophets, the prophets themselves, and he's talking about the fathers, that is those who were considered the, the Old Testament church fathers, if you will, in the Old Testament, those who received the revelation, of salvation and they inquired into that salvation and they searched diligently that salvation and what were they prophesying who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you Peter says unto you the people he was addressing and if I may just say so unto you as a believer in the 21st century he is also addressing you because we believe that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable 
for doctrine, instruction, profitable for reproof, profitable for us that we might learn and grow in the things of Christ. And so we find that Peter brings this thought to the believers in the first century, saying to them, you know something about salvation that the prophets did not yet fully know. Though they inquired, though they searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, and what were they searching? Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who was in them, see here it is, they had the Spirit of Christ in them. Why? Because Christ is the Son of God, and He is the incarnate Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. John 1.1 1, 1. Christ was in the beginning. We cannot separate Christ from the Old Testament simply because He is revealed in the New Testament. Christ was in the Old Testament prophet too. The Spirit of Christ was in the Old Testament prophet. And I would like to have you to know that the Spirit of Christ is still at work today. And that if you were a believer, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you are following Christ, then you have a relationship with Christ and the Spirit of Christ is in you too. And that is not to say you have some new revelation about Christ. No, it has already been given, fully been given. That is the point of Peter's text here. Though the Old Testament prophet gave the revelation of Christ, they did not understand it fully, though they searched it diligently. And they gave it because they, they gave it that they knew the generations to follow would also be receiving the word that they were given. And so this prophet spoke far beyond himself. And the prophet realized that the words that he, that he was given was not the words of himself, but rather the words of God. You know, it takes a lot of confidence, doesn't it, to really speak up and say, I'm going to tell you something that are not my words, but they are the words of God. You see, the Old Testament prophet could do that. Elijah did it on Mount Carmel. Elijah did it when he spoke in front of Ahab. Elisha did it when he went up against his enemies of the day. Isaiah did it when he went out to prophesy against Israel, who was living in sin and had turned away from God unto idols. Daniel did it when he was pent up in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar and when he faced lions in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did it when they faced the fiery furnace and was cast into it and were unscathed because God was with them. One like unto the Son of God was among them and preserved them. It is important to realize that when the prophet spoke, he spoke the words of God. Because they are not his own words. And I'd like to have you know this one thing right now. If you speak 
from the word of God to someone they are not your words. You don't have to quake in your boots simply because you are saying something to somebody else unless it's your own words. If it's the words of God from the word of God then you're on good ground. And you don't have to think that somehow you have to back up and, and change your opinion. Because it is the word of God, it is not your words. And your confidence can be in the word of God and should be alone in the word of God. Not in your ability, but in the word of God. Searching what or what manner of the time the Spirit of Christ who was in them did signify when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ. You see, the prophet did testify beforehand of the sufferings of Christ. So let's just back up for a moment here to the book of Isaiah and see the sufferings of Christ. It is perhaps one of the more particular passages in Isaiah 53 as well as in Psalm 22 but this is one that is very good to read and understand of the vicarious sacrifice of Christ Isaiah 53 who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. For he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem, esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge 
shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressions. The suffering of Christ, the revelation of Jesus by the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, of the vicarious suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Isaiah did not know fully, but he knew this one thing, that it was talking about the suffering Savior that was to come, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the One who would bear the sins of His people. You see, that revelation is one that the prophets diligently searched, diligently inquired, and prophesied of the grace that should come unto you and me, and testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. All of that is in verse 11. And so I would encourage you to recognize of the authority of the inspired word of God as you speak it. Secondly, we are to live a holy life for Jesus. As we read on here in verse 12, Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven, which things the angels desired to look into. Now just to try to simplify that statement, let me just say this. There were those who preached the gospel right after Jesus Christ died. And since the whole New Testament was not yet fully written, but would come by revelation of many of those apostles, what do you suppose they preached? The Old Testament prophets. The synagogues, wherein they were reading prophecy, which many of them did, and Paul, who often visited the synagogues, would have known the prophecies of the Old Testament very well, including Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, and other prominent passages which refer to the coming Messiah. In fact, it was on the lips of all who had great hope in the first century to see the coming of the Messiah. It was on the heart of Simeon as he was waiting in the temple for the consolation of Israel. It was in the heart of Anna as she was a godly widow and was serving in the temple area along with Simeon. It was in the heart of Elizabeth when she became with child of John the Baptist. It was in the heart of Mary when she received word from the angel that she would bear a child and that child's name would be called Jesus. It was in the heart of the shepherds when they came that night on that starry evening 
and came to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. It was in the heart of those who came from the east, those wise men who came bearing gifts sometime later, perhaps much later than the shepherds who were seeking the Christ child. It was in the heart of every one of those disciples who were called of the Lord Jesus Christ to follow him. Yes, we find that the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven on the day of Pentecost. Yes, remember that day that the scripture talks about in Acts chapter 2, where 3,000 souls were saved and the Spirit of God descended upon them and every man heard the word of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in their own tongue, in their own language. And the gospel began to be spread throughout the whole Mediterranean area. Yes, the Holy Spirit was at work. At work in the hearts of the prophets, at work in the hearts of the disciples, at work in the hearts of those who were touched that day on, on, on Pentecost when the Spirit of God descended. Of which things the angels decided to look into. You see, man was made a little lower than the angels. And the angels, you know, they're those angelic beings of God. Oh yes, they were created by God, but they were not created of God to, be, to receive salvation. No, they were just created of God to be ministers of God, to be emissaries for the Lord. But they don't know what we know. But they desire to know of which things the angels desire to look into. And the word, I understand that the, the word into here, or unto, into, is kind of like peering down into something. It's kind of like you have a, you have a, maybe you have an object at home, like a, a box or something, and you know something's down in there, so what do you do? You draw close to the box, and you bend over it, and you look down into the box to discover what's into it, what's in the box. You see, and the angels desire to know, but they can't know as you know, because you can know by personal experience and by revelation that becomes fully manifest to you because Christ came to die for your sins according to the scriptures. Now listen to this very important statement. The message of the gospel of Christ is for you. You. Every one of the, every person who hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, every person that Christ came to die for, He came to die for the sins of the world, those are the people, those are the you that this message is for. That they might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophets didn't know it fully, but were desiring and earnestly and diligently seeking to know the angels, though they desire, they could not know fully, but they were curious, you might say. They were curious. 
We are to live a holy life for Jesus because Jesus came to die for our sins. And we have been given the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we have been given it exclusively. Exclusively. Even more so than even the angels. And thirdly, we are to follow the five exhortations of a holy life. Reading in verse 13 through 16, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, what is he, what is he talking about here? It's kind of like saying, prepare your minds for action. Prepare yourself. Well, we know what it means to prepare yourself. Well, we prepare ourselves for a lot of things. You men, you probably prepare yourself for fishing when you want to go fishing. You get your tackle box together, you get a fishing reel, you get your pole, you get your, your net. You might, if, you, if you're going to use certain kinds of bait, you make sure you have that. You do everything to prepare yourself to be a fisherman. Or perhaps the, the ladies, you know, if they're going to do something special. Maybe you take a new exercise class. You might buy certain kind of clothing that you want to use during your exercise. You might buy a certain kind of program that helps you to get energized to do the exercise routine. You may probably even buy yourself certain kinds of foods so that you can, you can be uh, at your best uh, physical alertness and health so that you can complete your exercise program. You prepare yourself. If someone is in sports, what do they do? They go through all kinds of exercise routines and training and various kinds of things to bring themselves to a place where they can be the very best sports enthusiast or participant that they can possibly be. Whether they play basketball or football or whether they are doing some kind of workout at the gym or various other kinds of things, running and playing other kinds of activities, golfing and so forth. Preparing. Preparing. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That is, prepare your mind to do something. And what are you supposed to be doing? You're supposed to be living for Jesus. Living for Jesus. So what do you do as a Christian? One of the things you might do is you read your Bible. Maybe you're reading your Bible every night when you, before you go to bed. Or maybe you read it the first thing in the morning. Another thing you might do is you might pray. You might pray at night or in the morning. Or both. Another thing you might do is you might take a regular routine of attending church somewhere so that you can have fellowship with other believers and be encouraged in your walk of faith with Christ. There's a lot of things that we can do 
you might take certain kinds of courses so that you could understand the Bible. We call them Bible studies. <laughs> All kinds of different things as Christians that we can do to prepare ourselves. And Peter says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up your mind. Take, get ready for action. As, you, as you're going to go out there and, and do the things that you're going to do. And that is in, in that holy life of living for Christ. In that life of living for Christ. You know, we call it a holy life, but it is, it is the life of Christ we're talking about. We're not talking the, about the life of George Foreman. We're not talking about the life of Michael Jackson. We're not talking about some other athlete or musical singer or, or someone who is in the world. No, we don't gird up the loins of our mind to, to, to do those kinds of things. But we prepare ourselves to be Christians. That is to follow Christ, to serve the Lord. We prepare ourselves to do that. Secondly, be self-controlled. Be self-controlled. Again, let's look at verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Be sober. Now, that doesn't mean don't drink alcohol. <laughs> That means be serious-minded, be disciplined, be self-controlled. That is, don't allow yourself to just simply go with the day, whatever comes your way, you know, whatever floats your boat. Don't, don't live like that. Live with some clear definition of how you should live and serve the one that you claim to be as Savior and Lord. Be sober-minded, in other words. Be serious-minded about what you are doing. Just as you find yourself preparing yourself, be serious about it. Be serious about it. Thirdly, he says, hope to the end. Hope to the end. And in other words, we, we have to set our hope on something that is true and real. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Are you setting your hope on Jesus? You know, this hope is not un unfounded that we're talking about. This, ho this hope is real hope. This hope is based upon the one who came to die for our sins. This hope is based upon the one who has forgiven me of my sins and promised me a place in heaven. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Are you setting your hope on Jesus? See, all of those twelve disciples had their hope set upon Jesus. There was only one, the son of perdition, who was lost. Oh, it was no mistake, of course. Jesus knew the heart of Judas. But in no way should we consider ourselves that. We should remember that Jesus came to reveal himself to us. And that all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. 
Remember, the only reason that Judas fell was because Satan entered into his heart. Satan entered into his heart. Jesus didn't enter into his heart. Satan entered into his heart. That's the reason he fell. Where is your hope? Your hope. You, you may have a lot of hopes. You, 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 may, you may hope to have a good job. You may hope to have a, a family. You may hope to buy a home and property. You may hope to build a career. You may, may hope to have children. All kinds of different hopes in this world. But they're temporary. There is only one hope that is eternal. And that one eternal hope is in Jesus Christ. A hope that we have unto eternal life because of Christ and of his death on the cross for us. The next one here is do not conform to evil desires and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now since you know Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ here probably in most cases is, is probably referring to the second coming. But if you haven't yet met Jesus in this life, and you haven't yet believed in him, well, you're receiving the revelation of Jesus Christ by the gospel right now. But I would say as a believer, your next best revelation of Jesus is to see him when he comes again. Verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves after the former loss in your ignorance. So here, here is the part where he says, not only be self-controlled, but set your hope. Do not conform to evil desires. Now see, this is, our, this is one of those weaknesses, isn't it? This is one of those weaknesses. And as obedient children, now of course Peter's stating a fact that was supposed to be the case scenario for the believer. The case scenario for the believer is this. You are to be an obedient children, not fashioning yourselves after the former lusts of your ignorance. What were you doing before? Oh dear. Well, that would cover, make a quite a book, wouldn't it? Huh? What we were doing before we came to know Jesus? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3. And see what you were doing. Because we were all doing the same thing. Okay, this is what you were doing, Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3. And you hath he made alive, or quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So that's number one, we were all dead in trespasses and sins before we came to Jesus. In which, in times past, ye walked according to the course of this world. Okay, that's what we were doing. We were just walking according to whatever we wanted to do in this world. According to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. Who is the prince and the power of the air? Well, we know him as Satan. 
you know, he's the he's the one who was out there trying to just rattle the cages of everyone who isn't a believer or is a believer too, as far as that goes. Yeah, Satan. Satan is the prince and the power of the air. Um, and, you know, this is a spiritual warfare we're talking about. Oh, Satan doesn't come and manifest himself visibly to you. No, he does it in many other ways, and really we don't have to explain that, do we? We just know that when if God is in something or Satan is in something. And how do we know? Well, we compare it to the Word of God. You know, God says, love your neighbor. Do you hate your neighbor? God says, do good unto others. Do you... Try to do mean things to other people. God says, don't lie. Do you lie? God says, don't steal. Do you steal? God says, don't murder. Do you murder? God says, don't covet. Do you covet? God says, don't commit adultery. Do you have ever ever done that? All we have to do is compare ourselves to the Bible. We find out what it is God wants us to do as opposed to what the prince in the power of the air tells us to do. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our manner of life, or the King James uses the word conversation, but it means manner of life, in times past, in what? In the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, or judgment if you will, or deserving of wrath, even as others. What were we doing? Wow, that's a pretty good list of things we were doing. We, we were doing back there before we came to Christ. Or if you haven't yet come to Christ, you're probably still doing them. And you need to know Jesus that you can stop doing them. You see. Verse 14, back in 1 Peter 1, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former desires, lustful desires, in your ignorance. What is the ignorance? Not knowing Jesus. Not knowing Christ. Not knowing the hope of salvation. But now that we know the hope of salvation as believers, what are we to do? Well, we're to live holy lives. That is, lives that are to follow, following Christ. And that's what it goes on to say here. Exhortations of holy life. Do not conform yourself to evil desires, but rather, the last one here, be holy. Be holy. Verse 15. But as he who has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of life. Because it is written... Be holy, for I am holy. Now, I don't suspect that any of us are ever going to be as holy as God is. But there is one way to achieve this goal. By trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you know Him as your Savior, the righteousness of God in Christ can be yours, and that's how you can be holy. Do you get that point? The righteousness of God in Christ is how you can be holy. Now, it doesn't mean you can just go out and do the other stuff, too. No. 
When we realize that the righteousness of Christ, His death on the cross, His resurrection, His ascension unto heaven, His salvation which He has brought to us, the power of God which is salvation unto all who believe, when we realize that that is the righteousness of God in Christ to us, and we have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be holy. Oh, well positionally in Christ. Now I don't mean to discourage you by saying that, but it is to say this, what you know up here can be more fully realized down here in your heart. Can be more fully realized. And so you have to put that knowledge of Christ up here. You see, up here. Many Christians live other than they should because they haven't got really the knowledge of Christ in their head. I don't know where they've got it. I had an old, old deacon tell me one time about someone who was saved and was going the way of the world. He says, I don't know what that person got, but he didn't get what I got when I got saved. When we come to faith in Christ, we're supposed to get something. The righteousness of God in Christ, in our hearts, in our head, in our feet, that we can walk the kind of life that Jesus wants us to walk. You see. But you have to start on good ground. And that's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the good ground. But as he who has called you is holy. Now see, you've been called. He who has called you. If you are hearing the message of Christ today, you are being called. If you are a believer and know the Lord as your Savior, you have been called. But as he who has called you is holy. Jesus Christ. Remember, the prophets tried to gave the revelation of Jesus. They were diligently searching it. They were diligently looking into it. The angels desired to know it. And you have been given it. But as he who hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of your life. Be ye holy in all manner of life. And if you will do that, God will say that you are living a holy life just as He is holy. God will say. Wow, you want an example of somebody who was living a holy life and he was a person and God said he was? It was Job. Job was a righteous man and a skewed evil. You know what the word skewed mean? It means he put it away from him. He pushed it away from himself. Of course, there were many other holy men too. But we think of Job because, you know, he received so many sufferings. But he was a holy man. Even though he had many sufferings and went through great trial. He was, he was holy unto God. So you see, 
You can go through a lot of things and you can still be holy unto God if you have the righteousness of God in Christ, in you. And we have to remember that. We are privileged. The prophets weren't as privileged as we are. Though they received the revelation of Jesus and had the spirit of Jesus in them. The angels are not as privileged as we are. They did not know of the gospel as we, do, as we know it and wanted to know more. But we have been given this wonderful and marvelous thing. Salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. I would encourage you to know him as your Savior. Shall we bow together in prayer? Loving Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessing of it, that we might have the knowledge of Jesus Christ more fully in our hearts and in our heads, that we might know the righteousness of God in Christ, because we have come to faith in Christ. Lord, bless, we do ask, these words, because they are your words, and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank for our closing hymn, number 154, 154, What a Wonderful Savior.
upon everything I just spoke about here in this hymn. He did. If you, if, you, if you think you're going to forget what I said to you today, mark the hymn. Read it over. It's all, it's all in this hymn. You know, Christians have been there before us. We aren't the only ones who experience the things of this world and need the encouragement. You see, they've been there before us. A great cloud of witnesses. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we thank you for your word to us, for the blessing of it, for the ministry of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the prophets, and now given to us by Jesus himself, through the apostles and the disciples who followed. And we have the knowledge of Jesus Christ more fully and we thank you father for your blessing to us i pray your ministry of your holy spirit in each of us in jesus name amen